Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, Sermon Recap. This is an abbreviated overview of the sermon that I just shared with our people at Locust Hill Baptist Church in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, September 3rd, 2023. My name is Michael Hodge. I serve as senior pastor at Locust Hill Baptist Church. Our family has been here at Locust Hill for just over a year now, as of May. We're thrilled to see how God is working in the ministries of the church each and every week. What is our current series? Well, our current series is a study through the book of Acts. The story of Acts is the continuation of the New Testament story after Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again, and then ascended to heaven. So the disciples are now navigating what it means to live for Jesus without him physically present with them, but empowered now by the Holy Spirit. If you listened last week or you're able to follow along online, you'll remember the similar themes of Acts 4 and 5. There was increasing pressure and persecution against the message and the apostles. In Acts chapter 4, they were strictly warned, do not speak the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, things ramp up a bit. They're now physically suffering for doing so. The pressure's increasing. And then as we looked at those stories, right in the middle of these, we have a section that allows us to peer into the heart of the church. And so that's what we're looking at in this session. We're looking at this story right in the middle. Acts 4:32 through 5:11 if you want to pause this recording go and read the text you'll be able to understand what's going on so the first truth that i share with the church family is this the heart that loves others in acts 4:32 we read these words now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul now what was that full number at this point we know the church was growing rapidly And so there were at least 5,000 men, as it describes in verse 4. And so not including all the family members in that number, that means it could have been 10,000 or more. And yet in this large group, there was unity. And what was at the heart of this unity? Well, the text says, the full number who believed. And so as we observe their belief, it wasn't just that they shared the same ideas, This was far deeper than just a generic belief that united them. It was their belief in Christ. So as we think about the impact of their fellowship, really the starting point, we have to begin here. God loves us. So the fellowship that we see with one another, first of all, it's a fellowship that we've received from God. 1 John 1, 3 says this, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John pointed to the shared identity of all believers as redeemed children of God. Charles Spurgeon captured the impact of our fall in this way. He said, Sin as it banished man from Eden, banished man from God. And from that time, our face has been turned from the Most High, and his face has been turned from us. To showcase his goodness, he chose to bridge the great divide, separating us because of our sin. He restored that fellowship that we so desperately needed with him. You know, as I reflected on that unmerited favor of God, I thought about what our staff is currently walking through. Our staff is reading through the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. So beginning next Monday on the 11th, you can listen to our staff. You can actually listen in on the staff meeting 
and they're going to share their thoughts as we gathered around the table in the office. It's a fascinating study, and we hope you'll benefit from those recordings. We're going to post them weekly on the website, Facebook page, podcast platforms. And in that book, Dane Ortland said this. He said, Here is the promise of the gospel and the message of the whole Bible. In Jesus Christ, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. This is a companion whose embrace of us does not strengthen or weaken depending on how clean or unclean, how attractive or revolting, how faithful or fickle we presently are. The friendliness of his heart for us subjectively is as fixed and stable as is the declaration of his justification of us objectively. So we can say that we have the gift of God's love for us. And then the byproduct of that is this, love for others. So tying in 1 John, we're studying here in Acts, but again, looking at 1 John, it says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And so John pointed to two ways that faith changes us. Fellowship with God that we just talked about, but also fellowship with others. Eric Stetzer and Eric Geiger in their book, Transformational Groups, they write these words, A call to discipleship and spiritual maturity is a call to biblical community. So more than just what we know, faith impacts how we live and also how we love. And as we strive to reflect the love of Christ, it's an exceeding love. Think about the scribes and the Pharisees of the New Testament period. We talk about them often because Jesus talked about them often. They live exceedingly good lives in the New Testament story, and yet their hearts were far from God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus called his followers to live a righteousness that exceeded that of the Pharisees and scribes. How does the love of a Christ follower exceed that of the super-religious Pharisees and scribes? Well, Jesus said we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as the religious leaders heard those words, they began redefining who their neighbor was. And yet Jesus challenged us to love all people. Our love is to exceed that narrowly defined love that only benefits ourselves and rejects many. In the second truth that I share with the congregation, I talked about how the church in Acts demonstrated the heart that gives sacrificially. In Acts chapter 4, we have an amazing example to follow, Barnabas. You can look at verses 32 to 37. Joseph, better known by the apostles as Barnabas, it's a name we recognize more often, he gave us an example. And as you look at those verses from verse 32 to 37, we look at this not as a utopian community, as if everything was perfect in this sharing community. Instead, the emphasis is on the impact of genuine faith. They wanted to help one another. They wanted to reveal their willing sacrifice. I shared a story from a book called Plastic Donuts. And in his book, Jeff Anderson, he talks about the story of his young daughter bringing him a plastic donut from her kitchen playset. He played along. He pretended to enjoy the donut for a moment, which put a smile on her face from ear to ear. With Dad's encouragement, she raced back, got a spoon, and the moment continued. It was an event that brought his little girl joy, but it also brought joy to the father. And as we think about that simple illustration, we acknowledge this reality. Like receiving a plastic donut, 
What are our gifts to God? He doesn't need our gifts, doesn't need our money. But like a child's gift that moves her father, our gifts bring joy to the heart of the father. Why? Because as we give, we're demonstrating our trust that he can provide for our every need. And rather than hoard what we have, hoard what we've been given, we give generously, trusting his provision. And one of the observations that I share with our church is this. We see the impact of the gifts of the early church. They met the needs of their fellow believers. It's a picture of all of us caring for all of us. That's a phrase that our church hears a lot. Our deacons hear this. Our ministry leaders hear this. All of us caring for all of us. You see, there's an idea that we perpetuated for far too long that those who are ministry leaders are to carry the brunt of the ministry responsibility. And the reality is, the Bible just doesn't teach that. In fact, the Bible teaches against that. We all are to use our gifts, our abilities. We're all to care for all of us. And so the early church willingly accepted the responsibility of all of us caring for all of us. As we think about that call to bless others, there's a really neat quote that I read probably about a month and a half ago, and I shared it with a few folks. And it's a statement by Martin Luther. He said, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. I thought, what a profound statement. You see, I don't need to do this act in order to impress God. And yet, the only way that my neighbor is going to see the love of God is through my willingness to live out that love as I love others. And so as we live out our faith and our lives are changed by Christ, others will see our good works and they'll glorify God in heaven. The final truth that I shared in the message was this, the heart that speaks truthfully. This section of the message came from Acts chapter 5, those first 11 verses of the chapter What was the great sin that we see of Ananias and Sapphira? We have a positive example in Barnabas in the closing verses of chapter 4, but then we see this very negative example in Ananias and Sapphira. What was their great sin? Well, their sin was this. It was their lie before God. They longed to be perceived as generous, sacrificial, while at the same time being greedy and self-centered. And God chose to use their sin as an example for the church. In the infancy of the early church, God made clear the call to live truthfully before Him. You see, in these formative years of the church, God chose to act in a radical and clear way to communicate that His church was going to be different than the religious world all around them. What did they see all around them? They saw those religious leaders who wanted to make an external show while their hearts were far from Him. And here within the church, here were two individuals. They looked at the attention that Barnabas was receiving, and they longed for that for themselves. They were motivated by this attention. We read these words in Matthew 6, 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Well, in the story, Sapphira had the opportunity to turn away from this lie. She was brought in and she repeated the very same lie. She followed the example of her husband and she tried to deceive the leaders of the church. She also tried to deceive God and her life was lost as well. When we surrender our lives to the Lord, we abandon all efforts 
to point the attention to ourselves, to save ourselves. We turn away from sin and self as we turn our eyes on Christ. Let me close with this. Here's an illustration I used. What if I say this statement? You are using me. If you were to hear me say that, would you think that I'm saying an affirming statement about our relationship? No, not at all. Instead, my perception of our relationship is that you're taking advantage of me. You only want me around as long as I'm fulfilling some need or I'm helping you to get something that you want. But let's connect that to our faith. In much the same way, when our view of God is only in terms of what He provides us, salvation, we're not loving God. Instead, we're only using Him. He is serving us rather than us serving Him. I need Him only for what He provides. Ananias and Sapphira wanted one thing. They wanted the recognition, the acclaim, and so they lied in order to achieve that. The question as we close is this, are you using God? only relating to Him because of what He provides you? Or do you want to honor Him with the way you are living daily? What's our turn in God's story? In a culture that increasingly is opposed to the absolute truth of the gospel, we have the opportunity to live out changed lives. We love, we give, and we speak in God-glorifying ways. The text closes with the words, Great Fear. For believers, it's an opportunity and an invitation to worship Him. For unbelievers, it's an opportunity to today be saved. I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast. Join us again Monday as we begin walking through gentle and lowly as a staff. Let me know how I can encourage you.